welcome to a new episode of Good Morning Camera. It has been, it's been a while. Okay, uh, listen, I feel like every now and then I got to come out here and I'm, 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 I'm telling you guys, I'm apologizing to you guys. I'm sorry. Uh, this one's on me because I got caught with a sinus infection. It, luckily, it wasn't the COVID bug. I was gone for a couple of weeks. And then prior to that, you know, we've said this before. We're not going to manufacture news, okay? We want to make sure there, there are actual items worth talking about. And in our absence, there was quite a few things that came out. So we're going to catch you up on a bunch of things. There's a ton of excitement in the film space. There's a ton of excitement in the action camera space. But first, Anthony, Anthony, uh, this, this, this is either a big deal or not on your radar at all. I don't think it's in between. But Sony <laughs> came out and they announced an E-mount power zoom, PZ lens, 16 to 35 F4G lens. There's a lot of letters there. There's a lot of letters and numbers and acronyms there. But this seems to be a big deal for the mobile creator and filmmaker. So give us a quick rundown. What is this lens? Yeah, so this is just a super compact option for, I think it's more for the vloggers. I think that's who's who's kind of picked it up online and such. Uh, and this is kind of an interesting lens. Uh, the power zoom kind of thing was a little bit strange to me because like I get the appeal of a power zoom, if, especially if you're a video shooter. It's a much smoother zooming action opposed to trying to do that yourself. Uh, it is a little bit smoother, but on a 16 to 35, does a power zoom actually make sense um, i don't know but it's there and it is an option it's a, it's in existence now so it's it's interesting uh i think it is and uh like i said a lot of hype uh, around the vloggers right now so many youtubers have picked up this lens and are absolutely loving it you're gonna get that g performance uh so you know you're getting a quality piece of glass with sony and f4 uh just allows the can the lens to just be so much more compact so i think this is really an, an interesting Interesting option for some of the vloggers uh, out there you know what I mean yeah so uh, full disclosure I did not get hands-on with this lens and that's not Sony's fault because they actually emailed me they said hey we got the lens gadget you want to play with it I had to decline at the time because I didn't have anything to shoot and really test it out I hope to mm -hmm. get my hands on it soon however my history with Sony lenses and then sort of looking at the specs here and what's being described and, and some of the charts and specs that are being highlighted on their product page, mm -hmm. this looks really impressive. You have essentially a very compact 16 to 35 solution from Sony right now. You have something that has, from what they're saying, it should have phenomenal autofocus. Like the mm -hmm. focus motors on this are some of the top of the line focus motors that they can pack into a lens this size. And when you're looking at their, their sample images and some of the things that creators are already producing, really good sharpness from corner to corner, right? Mm -hmm. The power zoom is an interesting feature to have. I think it'll be valuable for those that kind of come from a filmmaking background, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it can quickly become a bit of a gimmick when you're looking at sort of the old camcorder days of zooming in and out. Yeah. I want to test it out to see how quick uh, this responds to our interactions. But even when you want to do like a subtle push, right? Mm -hmm. Like imagine a super wide 16 perspective. You have a Sony a7S 3 here um, and you just want a subtle push into the frame to 35. Mm -hmm. These are interesting things now that you can do in the moment 
without having to do it in post. Yeah. It then begs the question, well, would you use it that way? <laughs> like, why not just record it at 16, make sure everything is locked in, and then just do it artificially after the fact? Look, I'm not going to tell you how you should record your next feature film. <laughs> All I'm saying is that I can appreciate why they introduced this feature. Similar to you, though, I think this might be better suited for um, where there's a wider range between the, the widest and the and the te most telephoto end of a zoom lens. Yeah. But but if we're talking about value, I mean, you're looking at and you know it's all relative here, about fifteen hundred bucks mm -hmm. Canadian for a top tier video wide angle lens. If you are in the independent filmmaking scene, no, even in the pro filmmaking scene, if you are an aspiring YouTuber, this is the sort of do-it-all solution, right? That you can really capture so much story with something like this. And, you know, 16 to 35, you know this, but it might seem like a really short range, but on these modern Sony bodies, you can shoot in a super 35 mode and get, mm -hmm. you know, 50% more range out of these great lenses. So, you know, all these sharpness charts and the quality and the optics, you really get to appreciate that when you go super 35 and all of a sudden your 16 to 35 is, you know, I'm going to suck at the math off the top of my head, but it's like a Sad. 24 to 50 kind of range. Like it, it gives you a, a, about 50, 55 on the telephoto end all of a sudden, right? So you got to think kind of a 16 to 55 range, right? Yeah. So really, really cool. I'll ask you, because this is more up your alley, like, who will want to own this lens? Like who who's looking at this thing in 2022 and it's like, it's on my wish list. I got to get one. Sony can't make enough of these at their factory. Get this in my hands. Who is it? Yeah, I'm definitely sticking with that vlogger kind of realm. I think the the YouTuber, like I would say maybe even like the beginner YouTuber. I know a lot of the the pro YouTubers are picking up this lens and absolutely loving it. And they're cutting out their 16 to 35 f 2.8 just because it's so big, right? The the setup is just massive uh, with that lens. Sony, they, they're not like some of the other brands out there making those small compact lenses. So I think this is going to be a great alternative for the those who you know maybe aren't ready to spend that 2.8 kind of money on a lens and want something with a small small footprint but like i said probably gonna be uh, a phenomenal quality uh, kind of lens uh just a point on the power zoom kind of thing uh uh, one lens that I do love from Sony and if you're interested in this lens more for like the video kind of youth uh, use I would say look at uh, I think it's the is it the 24 to 105 uh, Sony lens um, I'm trying to I was trying to look this up um, and this lens is fantastic with the the power zoom kind of feature it's one of the other longer i know it definitely gets up to 105 i was trying to look it up here i apologize yeah i think and it's the 28 to 135 that's it to 135 that's it. uh a beefy a beefy lens f4 um a close to 3300 bucks for this one Oh well, no, uh, no. They make another smaller, uh, compact, uh, much less a uh, uh, more affordable lens for sure, um, and it has a power zoom. I was 
trying to think of that. I was just playing around with it over in the Burlington location, and uh, I was trying to think of what that focal length was. And uh, I was saying, like, was it the eighteen to one hundred five? Eighteen to one hundred five. That's yeah, it. All about, these different uh, yeah. focal lengths. Under, about, <laughs> I think it's under a thousand bucks for that, that one. Yeah, eighteen to one hundred five. I'm gonna pull this up because this lens, yeah, this lens is so compact, so small, gives you excellent quality. And if you're looking for a lens specifically for that video use, I I'd say this focal length is a way better option if you're trying to get but, that. But also consider that this isn't this is a APS-C format lens, right? This so is, the, yeah. It, it yeah. really comes back to which body you're using. But you're right, a great call out um, yeah. if you are using uh, an like sort of their. 6,000 series cameras. Six, yeah, right? that's exactly it. Yeah, I can't. Uh, we've recommended this lens lens to customers um, all the time, and it's such a great option uh, if you're looking for that power zoom feature. But going back to the 16 to 35, like I said, it's got to be those vloggers, the people who are looking for that small, small footprint. And I think it's going to be a killer lens, like so, like the other Sony lenses are. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for those that are looking to graduate into a more enthusiast solution, this is something to consider. It definitely gravitates to the video crowd. I think a lot of independent filmmakers, up and coming filmmakers will see a lot of value from this lens, especially if you, you got to imagine if you have an A7S three or an FX three, those smaller bodies, like yeah. having that with a little top handle and this lens, what a great run and gun solution to mm -hmm. get into unique areas to capture footage. Uh, a great travel video solution. So if you are someone that's making, you know, YouTube videos or reels and a lot of travel content, this is a kind of product that will set your visuals apart, right? And mm -hmm. F4 might not sound, you know, great for a lot of people at first glance, but this is F4 on a full frame body and you use the right technique and you can throw plenty out of focus and get some beautiful fall off. And again, you match that to the optics that Sony provides, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't scrutinize it. You know, someone looking at this in that space again, I wouldn't scrutinize it too much based on that. Especially when you can get a sixteen to thirty-five and a very affordable like thirty-five one point eight. You know, prime mm -hmm. lens and have a great solution ready to go. Enough about Sony, though. Enough about <laughs> they. They got the lead. Okay, great okay. stuff. But we got to move on, Anthony. That's how the show works. In case you forgot. <laughs> we try to keep this under 30 minutes. We got a bunch of things to talk about. And the next one is the Insta360 One RS. Essentially a modular update to the Insta360 line, their action camera line, right? Inform me on this. What is this all about? I seen the videos come out. I seen a bunch of noise around this thing. Anthony, what is this product all about? Man, I love the Insta360 cameras. They're so much fun. If you haven't gotten a chance to try one out, you definitely need to. The One RS, like the one inch sensor edition was such a, it was a game changer. Uh, when that got released, that thing was so killer. Having a one inch sensor in such a small little compact body. But the fact that the One uh, RS was modular, just like these, this, uh, this, this camera is, it's um it's super interesting because you can take pieces and mod your own kind of little action camera all together so there's the um the the longer battery uh, capacity is a huge thing because the battery is like the small little bottom base plate of this like action camera that actually is removable and then uh you um you get this uh 
this modular system where you can replace the brain and also replace the lens. So you can have multiple different lenses on this camera. Uh, so they have like a your standard GoPro kind of look, but then you also have your 360 camera uh, that has two, two lenses on each side of this little box, right? And uh, that is your 360 camera. Uh, and Insta360 definitely has the best uh, app for editing your 360 uh, uh, video footage. And this upgrade in this new camera is this, they're saying that the, the Wi-Fi connection is 50% faster. And uh, if you're shooting on an Insta360, you're probably gonna be editing on your phone and you're transferring those somewhat beefy video <laughs> video files over to your smartphone device uh, and then maybe uploading them to social right away or I usually send mine over to my computer just uh, via airdrop. So it's nice to see that there's a a notable upgrade in terms of the Wi-Fi connection. This camera also has a, set, a, a mode called 6K widescreen. That's going to be super interesting. And uh, they've also included an HDR mode, which should uh, theoretically up the uh, dynamic range that you're going to see on this tiny little action camera. So I think this is a super interesting uh, update. So uh, I'm excited to, to actually play around with this one. And looking at this, it's 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 an interesting proposition, right? In that you buy this thing, you buy all the pieces, mm -hmm. and it's not obsolete because the the sort of promise that you know Insta is providing, Insta three sixty is providing, is that as they release new modules, you can you know swap out the lens component or the sensor component, and you can buy additional battery components as needed, and you can get a you know front facing display component if you want to have that feature, right? Yeah. So. When you look at something like this, you know, is do you feel that this is a must upgrade for all those early adopters when they picked up that first version? Do you think that this is something they they have to upgrade to or is it something that's going to appeal to more of a niche audience? I think I don't think if you own a previous version, it's necessarily worth the upgrade, but if you're just looking to jump into it and looking to just you know, get into it uh, as a, a brand new user. I think this would definitely be the way to do it um, because of that bigger battery. You just get the whole kit, right? Like, so, um, and that's the thing. Yeah, you can buy like little bits and pieces uh, of the these action cameras uh, and then keep them for like later on, like you'll have like the lens, but then uh, upgrade the brain of the action camera. Uh, what is really nice about this new edition is that it comes with that bigger battery and it is noticeably bigger. I was looking at reviews on online. I think it was Potato Jet uh, was playing around with this one. He's absolutely obsessed with these Insta360 cameras. Uh, and he said there was definitely a, a noticeable uh, increase in that battery life. So if you can, if you can get that right out the gate, then that's kind of nice. Uh, the battery life is one of the the downsides, I guess, uh, of the previous models. I, I play around with the Insta three sixty one X. That's a, one of the one of the first iterations, and the battery life does uh, does <laughs> it. You definitely need a, a few for sure. You know what I mean. So to sort of wrap this up, I have a GoPro. I've been using GoPro for years. So is this a product that GoPro users, you know, especially those that are in the enthusiasts and, and, and pro segments, right, that kind mm -hmm. of are producing things for more than just themselves, is yeah. it worth now to sort of ditch the GoPro for this? Does this provide enough for GoPro users like myself to say, you know what, 
maybe I want to graduate to a product like this because it's going to be, you know, something that's easier to produce with and, and give me better results. Do you believe that's the case? So at first, uh, the original, like the 1X was not something that could replace a GoPro. But once they started to go to the 1R, um, this, I think it does actually replace the GoPro. The editing software is way better. It's way more user friendly. It's it's so cool how you actually edit this footage. You just have to try this out for yourself and play around with one of these cameras. Uh, but one key thing that they did on the One R was they made the little cap around the lens uh, actually replaceable. So one of the problems that I have with my Insta360 One X is those lenses, they're exposed. And the same with uh, the 360 lenses on the, uh, like the One RS. So you'll see that the lens is like a concave kind of lens. Uh, or sorry, con convex convex lens, right? Sticks out, and if you bump those, then your the lens is done, right? And I did bump mine, uh, but with the new modular system, uh, they have this GoPro option that has the removable lens cover, and if you ever bump that lens cover, like you would doing crazy action sports, right? Then you can actually replace that. Uh, so to me, I think this actually does replace the GoPro. Uh, a lot of these, I think all of these modular systems are waterproof. Um, so yeah, I honestly don't see much downside when you're comparing this to GoPro. And I, like I said, I love the way you edit the footage. Uh, and that is the, the best selling feature um, that the Insta360 provides. So yeah, I, I do. I do see this as a replacement for sure. Okay, you've piqued my interest enough that I'm going to put it on my radar. It's not on my wish list. <laughs> it's definitely not on my must-have list. But it's on the radar, Anthony, okay? It's there. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's in my line of sight. You got to play play around with it. Try it once, right? And you'll be uh, that, that might be dangerous for the wallet. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. That might be dangerous. Uh, enough of Insta360. We got to move on. We are now talking to our film community, which mm -hmm. I got to say, looking at our metrics, maybe not a huge amount of them. Maybe there's a couple, <laughs> you know, but we, 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 at the end of the day, there's some newsworthy things to discuss mm -hmm. here. And over the last few weeks, there was just a massive announcement of new film stocks in this space. So the first and, and sort of biggest news was that Kodak was launching um, a 120 format of their gold stock, right? Traditionally, their gold stock is uh, more of an enthusiast film. It was available in 35 millimeters. There was never a 120 available um, on the market. And now they went ahead and announced it. It was teased for a while. So that's, that's big news because you now have something that's a bit more affordable than Portra 400 um, with still really good color reproduction in a medium format film, right? Not much later, uh, maybe minutes later, Cinestill, who has been doing fantastic work in the film space, they announced sort of this pseudo Kickstarter for a new film format from them. Uh, they're calling it 400 Dynamic, and it's sort of this daylight balance color film from Cinestill, right? But traditionally, they've done this Tungsten and Daylight 50. This is a new one from them. Uh, really nice purple packaging. I'm a, I'm a fan of the branding here, folks. They announced that, and if that wasn't enough, the folks at Japan Camera Hunter, who have their, you know, their cult following there, doing a lot of great work in the film community, they announced a totally new stock called Fugu Film 400. Not to be confused with Fujifilm. When this came out, I thought it was an April Fool's joke. It's not. 
It's called Fugu Film 400, and it's a 400 ISO positive film emulsion. So mm. unlike negative film, where you get a negative when you look at it when it's developed, positive film, right? Where you have these, yeah. from what historically, like these richer colors, these more punchy, slightly less dynamic range compared to negative, but really punchy colors. This is a lot. Anthony, I know you're not a film shooter. You're, you, I don't think you follow the community as much. But looking at this market, looking at all these announcements, I just got to ask the question. Are you at all phased by this? Are you all at all interested to even try shooting film? Does this, does well, this excitement peak an interest of someone like you? See, uh, I'm, I'm the type of shooter who is so excited that you know you just buy a camera you buy a lens and you buy an sd card and that's it like there's no extra cost like later on down the road so that's what kind of gets me stuck with film and the reason why you know i love photography at the beginning is because you know you got the camera you got the lens you got your sd card and that's it that's that's all you needed it was like a way to be creative without incurring extra costs down the road. And that's the problem with film is it's an ongoing cost. You got to, you know, um, you got to develop your film. You got to buy the film, right? And that's that's always where it was tough for me. It's a poor man's mentality, uh, <laughs> even though, you know, now I'm doing pretty well. But like I said, it was a poor man's mentality. But that being said, these example images that you've shown me on Petapixel here, this is beautiful stuff like uh, and it it makes you want to shoot film to get this kind of look straight out of the camera i was talking with a wedding photographer a, a little while ago and she shoots film uh she, i think she used uh something like uh, cine still kind of film uh to shoot her weddings and no editing no nothing like and it just gets beautiful stuff right out the gate it's one of the reasons why you know fujifilm is so interesting you get the electronic version of this kind of look similar look right and not exactly uh but yeah this is you got to look at the the example images of 400 dynamic that this is the film that i'm looking at right now on petapixel and it's beautiful man like the the tones the way that like the the light reflects like into the lens and stuff just causing that little bit of like flare on some of the images you get like the little bit of chromatic aberration i think this is really nice so uh this is something that you got to see and if you're interested in kind of playing around with this stuff then i could totally see the appeal of of this for sure yeah i'm looking at this stuff and i'm i'm, I'm happy for the film shooters um you know, I got really excited about shooting film, integrated into my workflow. It's an offering that I have uh, for certain projects and gigs. And I sort of treat it as like, it's a type of paint, maybe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, depending yeah, on exactly. the project, that's when I'll do it. I'm not one of these hardcore people that only shoots film. It yeah. is something that I want to get educated on. I understand now, and I know how to use it for the work that I do. I look at this, and I'm like, this is really cool stuff. None of these film stocks interest me in a professional level. And that's because I know the film stocks that I go to when I need an intended result. These are film stocks that I'm interested in more casually. Like, you know what? I'll pick up a couple of rolls of each of these just to play around to test out and see what they can do. I don't anticipate them knocking out the, the two or three film stocks that I go to for professional film work. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting though, because, you know, looking at the market, looking at, you know, search trends and looking at somehow some other retailers in the U.S., especially how 
they're sort of seeing the response and demand for film. It's interesting to me that there are companies like Kodak, Cinestill, and Japan Camera Hunters that are putting a lot of excitement around this space. And Fujifilm is 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 okay to sit out. I'm I'm kind of surprised, but I'm also not. And, and I think this is because you just look at the size of the market, right? Um, looking at the size, and and listeners, I'm, I apologize. We're gonna go. I'm gonna put on my business hat right now. <laughs> but you look at something, a company like Kodak Alaris. You know, the last year they made you know under five hundred million dollars annual revenue, right? You look at a company like Fujifilm. Um, we're, we're dealing in in the billions, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are dealing with. Let me actually pull it up because I don't I don't want to misquote this. Uh, <laughs> their earnings from twenty twenty one. So let's just get a ballpark here. Um, yeah, about about twenty billion dollars in twenty twenty one. Okay, Whew. so you're looking at twenty billy. Okay, <laughs> and not even one half half a billion for Kodak, right? So. Film matters more to Kodak mm-hmm. than it matters to Fujifilm. And you got to look, Fujifilm, their 20 billion, most of it has nothing to do with imaging, yeah. right? It, it, they are in He's... a totally different state. It's a fractional amount. So you're talking about a fraction of a fraction. So when we see the news of Fujifilm discontinuing stocks and some of their stocks are going to go up in price just to sustain and there's rumors and whispers of stocks being discontinued, it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise. It's just not sustainable for them. There's nearly not enough interest there. So as much excitement as there is, as much as uh, friends of Anthony there are that are shooting (laughs) weddings on film and all, there still is not nearly enough. And compare it to Instax, you know? Instax actually moves the needle for Fujifilm. And and Mm -hmm. that's where they'll probably put their focus on. So they'll probably discontinue stocks and shift that attention to Instax. So I say all of this, I say all of this (laughs) to lead up to the question, do you think Fujifilm is making a mistake by not participating in this sort of film revival in a cultural level, you know? I'll ask you first and then I'll sort of provide the answer. But Anthony, what do you think? Do you think Fujifilm is making a mistake here? I don't think so because the people who shoot Fujifilm and the people who shoot film are Pro, like some sometimes the, a lot of the time they are different you know what i mean so like people who shoot fujifilm they're probably newer to you know cameras and things like that and then they find out afterwards that they also provide you with these cool film simulations and things like that like people coming into the camera store they don't really necessarily know that there's all sorts of uh, things that, you know, Fujifilm can provide that make your image look like film. And uh, I just see the the film shooters, like the real film shooters being a different crowd, being that they're, like yourself, an enthusiast of photography, an absolute, you know, uh, such a passion for photography. And then you're starting to dive into, you know, the older format, you know what I mean? Like trying to appreciate the art a little bit more. Uh, I think of some of uh, the guys that you and I know, uh, there's Rick uh, over in Mississauga Dundas, uh, who is an, he's an older gentleman, but like at the same time, he, he knows photography so well. And then he dives into this film realm because that's what he started with. Uh, and you just appreciate the passion that you know he has for photography and the the knowledge that comes with shooting film so i don't think it's a mistake 
I think Fujifilm is on the right track, and I love the digital revolution of the the film kind of emulations that they're making. I look at this, and again, the question is: Fujifilm making a mistake by not participating in this film revival? And I'm I'm of two minds. I think largely, I don't think they're making a mistake, but they are losing a little bit of ground in this sort of like culture war amongst you know enthusiasts and pro creators and how they see the brand and i think that what would make a smarter decision is i think if fujifilm sort of pivoted to well we gave you film simulations right these are really our impressions of of (laughs) our stock history and color history if they pivoted into like well we're going to release true our best version of emulsions like look at the people that are making their own recipes and custom profiles that are mm-hmm. supposed to look like film stocks well what if fujifilm came out and said well here is our 10 most popular film stocks and we're going to give you sort of this pro version of a custom profile in, that you can download for certain cameras and especially newer model cameras right where if you missed pro 400 h you can get that and it's going to react to light and grain and noise in that regard as best as possible in a digital way. Like the sort of like, we're going to stop doing this, but we got this. And I think that's yeah. what's missing, right? Is like the the people, the enthusiasts, they see, okay, you're stopping this, but what's going on? There's nothing else to sort of serve this market, right? I would like to at least see that sort of language and that pivot. And I think it would lean into the strengths of, you know, current Fujifilm. The other side of me and a small side of me thinks that, well, what if they just sort of had this little offshoot company <laughs> You know, this little startup, take a bunch of people and maybe hire some new people and just started their own little smaller to medium sized business. This similar to like a Kodak Alaris where they are playing in that sub billion dollar level and they just focused on film and imaging solutions and it just became its own little offshoot brand. Or maybe they buy a company that's already doing great work in the film space, right? There's a ton of specialty imaging developing companies out there around the world. What what if they sort of procured the right talent from there and just said, here you go. We're going to let you guys, these these cowboys here, go out (laughs) and run this thing, treat it as its, uh, its own company, and really sort of a love letter to the film community. That's kind of where my head's at. I'd like to see one of those options. I like it. That all that all that said, I don't think any of this is gonna happen. I don't, <laughs> I don't think any of this is gonna happen. I, I think, think Fujifilm is like, <laughs> look, man, we're talking about in the double-digit billions here. I'm yeah. sorry if we don't appeal to you know, your Instagram and Twitter trends, <laughs> but this is the direction we're going. And anyway, enough of that. Uh, Shout out to all the film shooters there. There's still a lot of stuff to be excited about. It's time for my favorite, your favorite part of the show, the creator draft picks. The creator draft picks. I've been waiting a long time for this. Anthony, I'm just going to get mine out of the way because it's kind of boring. It's kind of (laughs) interesting, but I really like it and it's making a big difference for me. It is the Metabones EF to RF Cine Speed Booster. What this is, is... uh, Basically, it's going to adapt a Canon EF mount to an RF mount. So for those that are looking to shoot video with their EF glass or EF mounted glass, but it's going to be a speed booster in that it will take that full frame, that full range of that lens and squeeze it into a Super 35 sensor so that you get an increase in stop of light. You get a wider field of view. Sorry, I shouldn't even say, yeah, actually wider field of view that's truer to the zoom range itself. 
Why I got this is because I've been using the Komodo for a lot of my work. We've also brought it on set for a lot of Henry's productions. And I've been using these vintage lenses and I'm always looking at, you know, what what's sort of the Super 35 version. I'm like, well, I'd love to get the full range of this. And I'd love to get the full F1.4 of this 50 millimeter that we have. So looked into this. What I like about the Metabones version is that because there is enough clearance between the lens mount and the actual speed booster glass, you can focus to infinity. Now, the Canon version that they made for the C70, there was an issue here where certain vintage lenses, if you try to focus to infinity, it actually touched the glass. You can actually damage your lens and the speed booster. <laughs> so this one from Metabones, I love it because what it does, you throw it on a camera like the Komodo. It gives you enough clearance to use your vintage lenses as well as modern Canon lenses, you get autofocus, you get the lens communication, you get the full range of your zoom or your, you know, whatever, the, even a prime, you get an increase in light gathering capability and that depth of field, the full range of that aperture. And the mount itself is a positive lock mount. So instead of you putting the lens in twisting to lock, you actually put the lens in and you twist the ring on the uh, mount yeah. itself, lock it, no wiggle room. That's key. Anthony, it's one of these things that it seems like a boring thing, but this it changes the, the game. It's the changes future. changes the game. It's the future. It's, it's the, the future. future. So that's my pick uh, for the the film and the, the video crowd, the nerds out there. You'll appreciate it. The photography people probably already tuned out, so enough about me. <laughs> Anthony, what's your pick this week? Well, we're sticking with the video theme, so I apologize to the photography <laughs> listeners. But uh, if you haven't looked uh, at Studio Binder uh, on YouTube. This is something that I sent to Gadgen, and apparently I'm just way behind on crushing through these these this YouTube channel. This is just fantastic content. Did around... you call it Binder instead of Binder? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what they call it. Is they call it Binder? Oh my god! Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. All right, I, I have, I, I've always looked at the name and I thought it was Studio Binder. Yeah, I I heard. I saw Binder when I first saw the the YouTube channel, but I'm pretty sure it's they call it Binder, but I don't B -I -N -D -E -R, know. B I N D E R, whatever it is. When you type yeah. it in, that's how it's spelled. But go on, sorry, Studio interrupt. Studio Binder Binder, wherever you're from, uh, you'll find you'll find it on YouTube channel, uh, the YouTube channel. So just this is just fantastic quality content around cinematography and visual storytelling. So if you're into video and you haven't watched this YouTube channel, like I said, I'm a I'm apparently way behind on this. Gadgets already, he's an expert on this channel, and uh, they just do in depth reviews of some of the great greatest movies uh, and then talk about like why you would frame up a shot like they did in like for example Casino Royale or something like that and it's like when you take it to this level like this is the stuff where it's just like the the fine little details that make your film just a little bit better you know what i mean and this is the details that like the pros are using you know the the big directors the quentin tarantinos like there's a reason why you know they film in a certain way and they position the camera uh, in a certain way to to give you those little details in the story right and this is the stuff that is talked about on this youtube channel uh there's so many great movie breakdowns like i was watching the joker um and the casino royale one was fantastic anything by quentin tarantino is just like oh my gosh you're you're just you're mind blown by like what is actually thought about when uh you know you're placing that camera down and then hitting record so if you haven't checked this out 
amazing YouTube channel, especially if you're into that filmmaking. But I guess the photography of people could benefit because it does talk about composition a lot. And, uh, you know, it's just a quality YouTube channel to, to dive into. Amazing color. Amazing color. You, you got something here that you can pay for that'll bring some value to your videos. You got something here that's uh, completely free that will mm-hmm. still bring value to your video productions. And, and that's what you're going to get with Good Morning Camera. Uh, <laughs> this has been fun, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you for finally uh, recording with me. And I say that as if you were the issue. No, I was the issue. Here. Uh, we look forward to bringing you a new episode every two weeks. For all of you that are subscribed and following to the show, thank you so much. If you haven't already and you're listening on iTunes, please do leave us a review so more people can find the show. And that's all I have to say. Thank you for listening. My name's Gadgen. His name's Anthony. And we'll see you next time. See ya.